0: Welcome to the final episode of Mole 2020 recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and join me as always is the Canadian who cried for three hours once his entire predictions pool team were executed and had to be consoled by a group of Chinese men, Logan Saunders. Good morning. Good morning, and I am very smug today because my prediction that Rob was the mole means that I'm the winner, as always. Of the pool. Of the pool, but you know, at life, officially.
1: But going into the final episode, who picked the mole and the winner?
0: Yeah, but that doesn't matter when you did not pick Rob. And may I remind you, you had final draft. You picked Yoan. I
1: think we go back to what I say each year, Michael. It's all about how you finish.
0: It might be all about how you finish. But for me, it's about how you start with this one. I am being super smug because I win.
1: Okay, so yeah, Rob was not discovered by the other contestants Till episode 9, which I believe has to be a record, because that is the final episode of a season.
0: It is. In, in fact, Rick said that he does now have the record for uh, the longest time before anyone spotted him.
1: And it was kind of like by default. It was really interesting. I know we have to keep this brief today, but it was very interesting to see the contestants have their discussion about how things that happen off-camera influence who you suspect the bowl more than the tasks themselves.
0: Yeah, we don't have to keep it that brief. We're, we're not, like, rushing through this episode, but there isn't much to it anyway. It's great.
1: No, there's really only a couple of talking points,
0: really. Chief amongst them, though, is Johan getting himself quarantined. <laughs>
1: that's that's the most Johan thing possible.
0: Because I know I promised a diary of the uh, the Dutch Mole finale, but obviously coronavirus, as it is doing everywhere, ruined everything. So here's my diary of the week. I managed to A, forget my passport, B, lose my headphones, C, go to a cinema on Saturday night, thanks to uh, a tip-off from the lovely Marika, um, to watch the finale with Liam, uh, another friend of Bothers Bar. And no word of a lie, obviously there was no English subtitles, so I sat in the cinema, and when Rick said that Johan wasn't there, I'm like, I think I understand what Rick's saying. Did he just say he's got coronavirus and is (laughs) self-quarantining?
1: Yeah, the subtitle version didn't say he was uh, got coronavirus, just that he was sick and quarantined.
0: Yeah, I th- I, the implication was that the most Johan thing of all time happened, which is that Johan got himself coronavirus. <laughs> the second reaction that I had was, what
1: the fuck is Tina wearing? It's like something from like a Final Fantasy uh, steampunk or some sort of Squaresoft character outfit. It was awesome.
0: I mean, I don't get into this sort of stuff much, but vid and finale fashion is my absolute favourite thing because you tend to get really good ones like Jan's finale suit and the wire bow tie. You then get horrifying ones like Rob channeling in a Texan oil baron and Buddy looking like he's off to prom and Tina's robotic jacket. That's the only way I can describe it. She looked like she was trying to be an android.
1: I've never seen so many hoop rings on someone's wrist. It was like a game.
0: The best thing is, she then just kind of turned around and went, yeah, it's Clayce's fault. (laughs) Because, continuing the running joke of this season, every bad fashion choice belongs to Clayce Averson. There's no one else responsible. It's great. So the four who went for the group exemption in episode four were the final four. Leonie said it was no school trip, and someone has to go home. What she doesn't realise is that it would have been her.
1: (laughs) Which is great. Imagine, just with that season, if... uh... She was just able to avoid the final five executions somehow and and essentially survive two non-eliminations and then there's not even a midway elimination at final four. She was in such a good position. She got so much luck that it's tough to believe she didn't win this game.
0: Yeah, if she'd survived one more execution, then she would have been the only person who even believed that anyone other than herself would have been the mole. That's how unlucky she was.
1: She survived two non-eliminations and everyone suspected her. I don't, there's, you can't get thrown any more bones than that. Other than maybe winning that final five uh, quiz game to get that last exemption. That was the only thing that did not work out her way. But still, so many advantages. This was Leone's season to lose and somehow she lost it.
0: Yeah. And I've been thinking all season whether we're a bit too mean about Johan, but given that he wasn't there, everyone just went in on him. They were
1: merciless.
0: It was way more antagonistic than any, any other uh, reunion that I've seen in a long while. It's just everyone absolutely bagging on Johan. And they're bagging on each other when, uh, when nobody had spotted that Rob was the mole. Because Leone had a bad reunion as well. Yeah. Leone said she suspected Johan a bit at one point. I'm not sure about that, but every single time there was a, um, a hidden action revealed, she was like, oh, I'm so naive. How did I not spot this? Every time.
1: Especially when she was partnered with Rob in that truck challenge.
0: And the reveal ends up being a bit atypical. Instead of doing it in front of the crowd, thanks to coronavirus, they took over a church for the reveal of the two losers. And Rick types everyone's names in. If they get a green screen, they're either winner or mole. If they get a red screen, they are a loser. And Rob gets a green screen, Malushka gets a red screen, Buddy gets a green screen, and Nathan gets a red one. And we don't even see the reveal in China as normal, because normally when they do it in front of the audience, they will then kind of broadcast Rob stepping forward and going, it'd bend a mole. But no, what they did instead is cut it off when Rick said, V. Is. de Mole. And then have a weird countdown of all the previous moles, which was hella spoilerific. I skipped over it. Good. I did warn you. And then just had... Rob's picture appear, and then him stand up and go, the It was just weird. Yeah. And despite the fact that he's about 16, Buddy seems to have also been given a beer whilst that uh, video was playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best thing is, if you watch Buddy's beer during the, uh, the episode, you actually see that it keeps getting topped up. So he ends up with more beer than he started with. Every time we see it, there's a little bit more beer in there. It's like he keeps tasting it and going, oh no, I'm not old enough for this yet.
1: Maybe I am. No, I'm not. <laughs> the parent or guardian had to sign for him to attend the reunion despite coronavirus.
0: So it turns out that, as we predicted, for or as, at least for me, as I predicted for the last eight weeks, Rob was the mole, and that Buddy was the winner. And Nathan and Rob are still friends, and Rob kept a Nathan note, which was nice. Apparently they uh, took care of each other every morning. Which is really sweet. How nice. Yeah. It's nice to see that they're still friends, despite the fact that one of them was a a saboteur. Who took take care of Johan? Well, technically Rob did with the execution, but I don't think anyone has the um, the ability to properly take care of Johan.
1: That's true. He can only take care of himself. Hence why he's quarantined.
0: And Rob had another tattoo added to his leg, which is a blue taxi with haha in Chinese under it. And he wanted a mole, but he thought that would have been a bit too obvious. And his tactic was essentially to just play super fanatically. No beers in case it impeded his performance, that sort of thing.
1: That's the thing, those off-camera things, I guess, really contribute to taking the suspicion off of you.
0: Yeah, it's it's very weird that they actually acknowledge the off-camera stuff, because shows like this don't tend to. Shows like this tend to be very, what you see is what you get. There's no even hints of what happened behind the scenes, whereas... This season especially, they seem to be acknowledging a lot of the the behind-the-scenes stuff in the same way that Survivor's doing. Survivor Winners at War is acknowledging stuff like the Poker Alliance, which they would have never done in previous years.
1: I think it's because of how long the core, there's certain, there's now an increasing percentage of people in the audience who are educated enough to understand how it all really works. There's, There's a lot more transparency from production now just because of the sheer number of people that have been on the show. Like, it's not just, hey, there's been four seasons, and we'll say for Survivor, you have 16 contestants each season. So the first four seasons, you only have, like, 64 people who have ever played. Now you're in the thousands worldwide. There's been about at least a 1,000 or so people who have played Survivor around the world. So they all know a certain number of people, which means that population of viewers or percentage of viewers has increased in terms of them knowing what go like, what appears in front of them and how it all works. There's a lot more education out there.
0: It's essentially a reality TV version of Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, that's a
1: good analogy.
0: Everyone knows someone who 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 knows, someone who knows Kevin Bacon.
1: Yeah. Or in this case, who knows Jeff
0: Probst. And he also um, didn't follow any rules from production. If they gave him an envelope, he'd open it early and production would yell at him, which obviously reduced the suspicion that people had that he was actually playing for production which is a very interesting tactic. Yeah, that's
1: never really been used before, as far as I know.
0: And in the final test, Nathan scored 33 out of 40, Milushka scored 37, and Buddy scored 39 out of 40, which is, I don't think anyone has actually got 40 out of 40 in Vidum in a long while. So 39 is a very good score.
1: Especially if you don't suspect them all till the final day of the game. They had two two days, I guess, two days for all three of them to study up. But uh, they all said that they wasn't so much that they found Rob suspicious. It was just that they ruled they had ruled out the other two competitors a long time ago.
0: Yeah, it was it was essentially from Buddy's point of view. From Booty's point of view, that he paired up with Leone a lot. So any right answers for Leone would have also been right for Rob, and that is how he survived. So he then made the connection and went. Actually, Rob's been paired up with Leone a lot. This might be. Um, might be a hint but what would you do if you got to final four and your mole had just been executed and it was the same situation for literally every person i think i would struggle in that situation having to actually make a make a choice of who you are suspecting permanently yeah because you don't want to under their impression you don't want to go to vondel park be stood in front of five thousand people as it was last year and then be told that actually you were on the wrong mole 'Cause there really isn't much more humiliating in um in mole at least.
1: Yeah. Definitely making it to the very end and then picking when it's just a coin flip. Well granted this is a three sided coin in this scenario. But most of the time when it's just fifty fifty and you were there for you know, the full three weeks of filming and you still couldn't pick up who it was.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine anything more mortifying, personally.
1: For Rob in that final episode It didn't really matter what he did. Even if he won that first challenge where he got the money into the pot, I think everyone was just set in on him.
0: Yeah, I think in the end, his terrible sabotage at the start of last episode probably didn't affect that much. However, it was still making it a little bit too obvious for everyone, I would say. That's the one major misstep in a season that had a very good mole. Yeah. Well,
1: it was, more, it was, it was a, almost like a gloaty tactic. Like They're not passing it off as if he made a mistake with that sabotage. He's like, okay, you, all, all three of you think I'm the mole and just want you want to quote-unquote test me? It's the final episode, whatever, sure. It'll cost you almost €2,000 Euros in a pot that's not very big.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, I think we kind of slept on how good a mole Rob was. And the question with this sort of a season is, I think we both agree that it wasn't a great season, this one. It was an okay season, it was much better than last year, but it was an alright season. It wasn't anything special, I would say. It
1: was an all right season with a very, very, very smart mole.
0: Yeah, but the question goes back to something I like to ask at the end of Amazing Race Seasons, which is, how much does a good mole affect your impression of a mediocre season?
1: That's the thing, because... You don't really get to watch out for the sabotages on screen as much. There's still a lot that doesn't get quite that they can't show because otherwise you would know that person's the mole. You can't see them show the mole signs and things like that. With Amazing Race, there's a lot more to pick up and uh, you know watch out for. In hindsight, same with Survivor. With the mole, it's, a, it's just just a bit. It's a lot more. It's a very subtle game.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm torn with this question, because this season was okay, it had some good bits, but, as I've said before, there was an entire episode where I didn't want to podcast about it, because nothing happened. They earned a negligible amount of money for the part, and as we've actually found out now, I think it was €100 Euros they earned for that entire episode. Nobody went home, they didn't need to do that twist where nobody went home, it just felt like an absolute waste of an episode, and it loses points because of that with me, definitely. But it wasn't as bad as Columbia was. Columbia was a pretty bad season.
1: Yeah, we still don't know half the set. We don't know half of what Merrill did, or what the other contestants were thinking.
0: No, it was a really, it was a really odd season. This one because there's so much to like because they did do some really good challenges, but then they did some really stupid production decisions, and had a really good mole so I don't know. They seem to be really good at picking good moles, because I mean, just looking at the last three, because they're the ones we actually like to talk about, Rob is a great mole, Meryl was a much better mole than I gave her credit for, and I think I said this in the finale last year, that actually Meryl was a really good mole, just they didn't show anything that she did. So, it's hard to judge her on that. But she was a really good mole on balance. Jan was an amazing mole.
1: Yeah, and only one person caught him in the end.
0: Yeah. But, the thing is, in having a good mole, sometimes they don't have a good season because they can't show half of the devious, devious shit that they do.
1: It's essentially a separate season.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really hard balance for a production, and I don't want to criticise them too much because they keep picking really good moles. But you need to always be conscious of the fact that it's a TV product first and foremost, and that some of these decisions diminish the TV product, and yeah, you've got a loyal amount of people watching, but ratings have gone down this year. That's the thing. Ratings have gone down this year compared to the upward trend they were on. They've not gone down by a lot, and it's still a huge amount of people in terms of audience share and stuff, but ratings have gone down. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's because people are going, well, in the end, what I watch isn't going to matter that much because you're just going to show me the stuff that you could never show me you need to sneak the hints in without it being too obvious. But also, you need to actually give people the hints to make it rewarding in the end. Because for me, there's a difference between having a good mole in a mediocre season and a good mole and a great season like we did two years ago with, uh, with the Georgia season, where you had an amazing mole, but it always felt like we were aware of the stuff that Jan was doing rather than deliberately it being hidden. Yeah, like
1: with the mirror, it's like, oh... She did, she did all of that. I had no idea.
0: It just needs to be rewarding at the end of the season. I mean, as a mole producer, I would love it if if I could um, sneak the mole past people. But you have to go back to the Papa Bear rule of someone always has to find the mole. And it's not a terrible thing for the audience to work out who the mole is, as long as they don't work it out in episode two like has happened in the past. It's a season you've not seen. There was a, a massive hint that everyone worked out. The audience or the contestants? The audience. Uh. Literally 90% of the Netherlands were on one person from episode two. So Rick says that the pot could have been more than 50,000 euros, but because of the mole and a little bit of Johan, it is 13,400 euros. And one (laughs) thing I do have to pull them up on is the fact that they never actually confirmed the values that they earned in the last challenge and in the laser game. I know them because I worked them out, but they never actually um, confirmed them. The one that we didn't know, because obviously we went through the fact that they, get, they earned uh, two and a half thousand euros of the possible four and a half last week, was that they earned minus 300 euros from the laser game, which means that that episode earned 100 euros for the pot.
1: <laughs> That's like enough for a one night's accommodation in Amsterdam.
0: It really is. Trust me, I went there last weekend. It was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> and it could have been 52,680, assuming that the maximum possible um, in the food trucks was actually earned because that was an open-ended challenge. And then we got loads of Rob sabotages, so he deliberately swapped envelopes around in the Dragon Village. He hid money from the statue description challenge.
1: We cannot say the bamboo.
0: Yeah, the bamboo the bamboo one is the most obvious hint up until the Kung Fu challenge, I would say. Um in the fifteen photos challenge he misinterpreted some of them. In the market challenge, however, my favourite sabotage, he found the €250 tablet and deleted one half of it by hacking. But then didn't do it properly, which is great. (laughs) And in the Walk of Temptation and the card test, Buddy and Malushka signed to each other because they weren't allowed to speak. So this is basically the season of people taking the piss out of production. Yeah. And the hidden hints were that Rob pointed at the €20 note in the first episode to point him out being the 20th mole... When the fan with The Mole Is Here appeared, Rob was on screen, which someone did actually point out on Bothers Bar. All the titles point into mole actions. In episode 2, Rob walked in the wrong direction, in Contrary. In episode 4, Rob misled Buddy by switching his order, mean mislead. The street names shown in the parking challenge spell out uh, M-O-L-R. If you take the first letter of the first one, the second letter of the second one, the third letter of the third one, and the fourth letter of the fourth. The fifth title was Touched. Rob touched the letters M-O-L in order, but I have to point out, so did Clace. And in episode 7, Rob speaks directly to the candidates and names all his opponents in his round. And in episode 6, Rick mentioned Tivradin, which is the word tattooed on Rob's arm. And these aren't great hints again, I'll be honest. They didn't even mention the hint that everyone actually picked up on, which was the Mole number no. 9 one that I went went into a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, that was definitely a hint.
0: Oh, 100%. But, to end the episode, Rick dropped the bomb that there will be a second season this year. Yeah, and the rumor that I have heard is that it it is in Italy and with former contestants.
1: And no, they're not in hazmat suits. It was filmed before coronavirus.
0: And I think everyone in the cinema room cheered when Rick said that, with the exception of one person. And that one person was me, because when Rick said, "The mole is only going underground for a couple um, for a couple of months," we got a present for you. It's the second season. I'm going. Oh fuck no. This is going to ruin everything. <laughs> this now means that there is a potential that we are going to be doing 60 episodes this year.
1: Well, luckily Amazing Race does not look like to be returning anytime soon.
0: No, an Amazing Race is included in that 60, but still it means that there's a real danger we're going to be um doing 60 episodes this year, but also more importantly, there's a real danger I'm not going to be here for some of those episodes because I am away at the end of the year for three weeks. So there is an, an absolute latest start date that if they go past it, I won't be here for the finale, at least. Which is a real concern.
1: <laughs> well, we'll have to wait to see when the mole sees its shadow. Yeah.
0: So how will you look back on this season, then?
1: Um, somewhat fondly. It's kind of interesting to uh, season play out in a country that's been ravaged by a disease for the past couple months.
0: Yeah, it's a really weird season, this, because they did so much right, but then they didn't do much travel at all in China, number one. All in Lu Yang. Yeah, it was all pretty much in Luoyang Yang and one other city, I can't remember where they started, but there was two cities only. The casting was great, but then there were just stupid production decisions, like having a Final Four, which nobody enjoys, having so many non-eliminations when you don't need it, and some of the challenges were just weird. Some of them were just really basic challenges that you'd expect a franchise that is only just starting doing this to try, rather than um, one that has now done this for 20 years.
1: Yeah, and just the fact that we had to work, out it, work it out ourselves, the prize amounts and other things like that. And the contestants, didn't, the contestants were just given no real chance to win at some of the challenges.
0: Yeah, at the risk of sounding like someone who bitches about Hunted all the time, it felt like the game was rigged against the contestants this time. And I know the whole point of the mole is that it is kind of rigged against the contestants, but it never actively feels like they are trying to rig it against the contestants. That's the difference.
1: This year, with about three of the challenges, it it certainly felt like it.
0: Yeah, for all Rob's cheering that he was very proud that none of the 27 challenges earned the full amount of money.
1: It wasn't the toughest catalogue to pull that feed off.
0: Exactly. It's, it's not the most difficult to do that when three or four of the games are actively rooted against the contestants and there is not a chance in hell they're going to win them all. Because if you look at the parking challenge, for example, Rob looked out by Nathan picking him as one of the parking guides, but he went into it going, I'm going to let them have 320 euros here. So he went into it with a, an amount of money that he would let them win And the game was essentially rigged against them to only win that amount. So I think it kind of loses some points with me for that. For the general obtuse nature of the prize money. To some of the challenges being rigged actively against them. To that really, really, really boring first Final Five episode. But then, Rob was a really good mole. And Rob was a much sneakier mole than we were able to give him credit for. That's the thing. There's a difference between giving a mole credit for being sneaky and being able to give a mole the credit for being sneaky. Right. And I think that Rob was sneaky, but we can't give him the credit for being sneaky because they didn't show that much of him being sneaky. They didn't show half of the stuff that they should have shown to at least give us the faith that Rob was the mole.
1: Or how fanatical he was.
0: Yeah. If they'd shown us how fanatical he was, then I think the reveal of Rob as mole would have been better. Obviously, I kind of knew but I was never convinced that he was the mole because they didn't show enough of the sneaky shit he was doing.
1: And on that note, that is another season of Vidim.
0: Yay! So what next, Mr. Saunders?
1: Well, I guess we got
0: Belgian Mole. We have. We've got Belgian Mole continuing on Thursdays and reluctantly we will be back in autumn for Vidim 21 <laughs> for as much of it as I can cover at least. Otherwise we might have to uh, call someone up to uh, to sub in for me. And
1: who the hell knows what's going on with the Amazing Race 32's air date. God knows. It's been 18 months. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And it's probably not going to air anytime soon.
1: (laughs) It's going to probably be closer to two years. Or more.
0: So you got anything else to say about the season?
1: No, I'm good. A season of coronavirus jokes are done.
0: Yeah, just prepare yourself for another season of Coronavirus Jokes, because somehow Venom went from the, uh, the genesis of Coronavirus to the country that is now most affected by Coronavirus. So good going, guys.
1: I think the virus got spread not by a pangolin, but by a saboteur.
0: Ah, it's a higher level sabotage. Rob really
1: was a sneaky mole. <laughs> he didn't get discovered until Half-Life.
0: He didn't get discovered until uh, until self-isolation happened. Looking at you, Johan. <laughs> so two final bits from me before we sign off. Number one is that, as always, thank you to Marika. You are a star for subtitling all season. And hopefully you'll be back at the end of the year for Vidim 21. And the other bit is that well done to ballers Bar's Nick Gates for being the best person at guessing on our first suspicions pool because nobody got... Robbers is their number one, and Nick was the only person to get him as the number two. So well done to you. So, with that, thank you for listening to our final Vs Demol recap of the season. We'll be back in autumn for Vidum 21. We are also returning with our uh, Demol Belgium coverage every Thursday, so don't forget to listen to that. Uh, don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, RTV Warriors, or you can email us at contact at Logan's on Twitter at Logs and I'm MJ Helmstone. See you next time.
1: Peace out and just chill till the next flavoring, whenever that is.